right, man. Welcome to the inaugural Slow Break podcast. Uh, Today we're going to do 2020-2021 NBA preview and then dive into a little bit of holiday hot takes and thoughts. My name is Damon, and with me as always is my boy Tony. What's up, Tony? What's up, Damon? How you been? Oh, hanging in there. About to go back into uh, lockdown number two, right? Yeah, it's COVID. Yeah. It's hitting heavy again. Yeah, not not great, but luckily we will be safe because as of recording, it is Wednesday, December 9th, and in less than two weeks, NBA basketball will be back in swing, in full action. How are you feeling about the season, man? I think it's going to be exciting. I think there was a lot of preseason moves that went on. I think the draft was kind of interesting. A lot of unexpected picks, but I think it's going to be a different year. So I think we're at like a pretty interesting point in the sports cycle because basketball is starting a little later than it normally did. And at the start of COVID, if we go back to March, it was the NBA that shut everything down. March 10th, when the Jazz game and Rudy O'Bear test positive for COVID-19, that shut down all sports. And now we saw baseball figure it out, and the NFL is kind of figuring it out. Do you think the NBA is going to be able to pull it off, similar to how baseball was able to pull it off? I really like the bubble idea, and I think it really did limit them in kind of the spread. And they did have good protocols, but they kind of get the best of everything so they saw how baseball worked without a bubble they're seeing how the nfl is kind of struggling a little bit but how they handle everything and moving games um i think it's going to be interesting but i do think they get through the season now that's not to say we don't have games where we don't see like big stars playing in it because of covid because it's going to happen so i think it's going to be interesting and and the other aspect of that is you know the, the fans because that that brings a lot into home court advantage Yes, and I think that was one of the big things going into this. After the finals, uh, a lot of the deliberation was about when was the season going to start because owners need fans. And it's different than it is in the NFL where the NFL owners own those stadiums. So they can dictate who goes in there and who doesn't, and they have such a margin margin for profit by allowing fans in and the NBA is the exact same way and like everything you were reading hearing was that the owners wanted to wait and push the start of the season until January even some talk of February because of a possible vaccine possibly getting fans in there so if it's starting in two weeks can they have fans I mean it it stinks because you get uh, two big franchises out in LA and you know where it's really bad and they're shutting things down but that's not to say that we don't get fans in some sort of fashion, whether it's some press boxes or even just families. It'd be nice to even just see some families because that still provides, whether it's home or away people, some people travel and we'll, and we'll go to games just, you know, to see their, their siblings or and sons play. So I really think even a little bit will help them out. I think, I think players and coaches allowing their families to come in, similar to how the NBA did the bubble, I think that's a good opportunity for it. And then I could see them taking care of season ticket holders. If you went back and looked at last year's home versus away records, it was the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers that had disparagingly different home win percentage versus away win percentage, where the Heat and the Sixers, they took care of business at home. Great records there, great fan bases, great basketball cities. 
And then on the road, we're just totally different teams. And those were both teams who were right there in the middle of the pack in the East. So it'll be interesting if they no longer have that bump from home games, where do they end up shaking out in the Eastern Conference, which is pretty stacked, I want to say. We'll, we'll get to the Eastern Conference. I think we need to start in the West with the champs, with the Lakers. Coming off another championship run for LeBron, I think the question we have to ask is, is this team going into 2020 even better than the team they had last year? I think so. I really think that this Lakers team, despite whoever they bring in, guys will feed off of their energy, their play. And in my opinion, they don't really need a another showstopper to come in. You get Danny Green leaving. You get uh, JaVale McGee leaves, Rondo leaves, Avery Bradley leaves. But you get good good people back. But I don't really think it matters so much in a sense as is you have guys playing in fluidity. So, you know, as a typical LeBron team, they may struggle in the, in the beginning. They may have to find that chemistry. But, I mean, when you have LeBron and AD there, you, you just need things to click at the right time. And that's what they did in, in the bubble. They, they came together there at the end. Guys step in and play really well. That's the big thing is, is you, you really have to have guys that come in and gel with LeBron and kind of have to learn. Like you, you get a Dennis Schroeder that comes in there and is kind of used to being a little bit more of a ball handler, a scorer. May not have the same exact role, but, you know, he's a guy that if he gels well and, and, and LeBron or AD are on, on the bench for a couple minutes, that can really, you know, make a difference. You know, it doesn't really make for a super compelling conversation because I, I 100% agree. I can't, like, I can't say that they're any worse. If anything, they've gotten better at every single position than what they had last year in the bubble, where they looked pretty dominant. And bringing some of those pieces in, I think a, a piece that's really going to stick out is a type of player that has played well with LeBron from Miami to Cleveland and out to L.A. is Wes Matthews is going to look great in the Lakers uniform. I think a three-point shooter who's now getting a little older, not going to move as much with that Achilles injury from a couple years ago. Wes Matthews is going to put up a couple games where you're like, really, we let him go to the Lakers? I think he's going to look great next to LeBron. To kind of spin off that, do you think that he was like the best guy that they could have got to kind of fill that? I, I think if they would have made a run at Bogdanovich, we would be sitting here saying this team's going to put up some unbelievable, unbelievable numbers because Bogdanovich can step right there and be shooter, defender, scorer, and would have looked unbelievable next to LeBron. Now, thankfully, that didn't happen. Thankfully, we can get some more parried in the league. But if you're looking for that elite wing that maybe could have fit in their price piece, he might have been a little too expensive. Uh, I don't know what the cap sheet looks like. That would have been absolutely ideal for the Lakers and, and with Wes Matthews I mean you got a guy that's been playing alongside Giannis and in Middleton and and kind of has this already defined role where he doesn't really have to transition and try to change his style of play he can fit right in and, and and be who he is plus he has a little bit of a veteran presence there with playing with those guys he knows what it's like he knows what it's like not to be in the forefront he can sit back gets the ball he can score and he can defend and and that really helps out their team so are we in agreement that they're the clear favorites going into the season? They have so many pieces and they got so many people back. Like you get 
Markeith Morris coming back. You get a Montrez Harrell who was so dominant for the LA Clippers that yeah we kind of didn't even talk about that sick man of the year went to the Lakers right, right man even you picking up a veteran in Marcus Gasol who may not play a ton but I mean he's a veteran who knows how to win and who has won so I really think he is determined to win a, a championship and his veteran presence there will help but I do agree that right now without anything else they're they're, they're definitely the favorites Okay, and I guess the last thing for the Lakers, I don't know if you want to phrase this, who's going to have the most impactful season, who's going to be the Lakers MVP, uh, but is it going to be, is it the Anthony Davis season, or is this still Team LeBron? You know, you're seeing the game in the NBA transition to, you know, you saw it in the draft. No one wants to take a big. Like, you want these stretch guys, and AD fills that role perfectly. He can step out and shoot, you know, he, but he also is so dominant inside that, I really think he's the one that makes the, this team go. LeBron's going to get his points. He's going to get his assists. He's going to get his rebounds. AD, I think he really does boost this team to that, that championship caliber that really no one else has. Okay, so let's, let's switch gears here to the team that I think has the second best big man in the Western Conference and is also the second best team in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets. I'll let you take the floor on the Nuggets. I think, I think they are the, clearly the second best team. But if you look at their off season, just how we talked about the Lakers clearly got better. Did the Nuggets get better or did they get worse? Um, I think they got worse, but I don't think it's bad. Jamal Murray really came on last year and was this guy that was just head full of steam. Was this guy that's going to be their offense? Pair him with who you say is the second best big in the, in the, in the Western Conference. You really can't say that they had a bad offseason. I mean, getting rid of Jeremy Green, you know, the backup big, some key pieces here and there, but it just gives Jamal Murray more of a, a push to kind of take over this team and even some more so Jokic to, to kind of dominate the, this one-two pair here that you have. So I – I would have liked to, liked to have seen them keep Jeremy Grant. Uh, he's versatile. He's big. He's, who the, he's the kind of player you want if you're going to have to play the Clippers or the Lakers. But here's where I'll make the argument that they are just as good, if not better. And it has nothing to do with any of the pieces they added. It's about the pieces that they held on to. Because through any of the trade talks, during the draft stuff, moving assets, they held on to their – what I call a big three. They held on to Jokic, they held on to Murray, and they held on to Michael Porter Jr. And I think the ascension that we saw out of Murray in the bubble, he's only going to get better. Jokic is only getting better. And then I think this is the leap that we're going to see from Porter. I saw enough of it down the stretch last year as an offensive player and then in the bubble where I I think he's incredible. I I think there's going to be a couple games where – we have to listen to the, the ESPN first take cycle that says, is this one of the top five, 10 most athletic or most offensively gifted players in the league? I think he's going to have some incredible stretches this season. I agree. But, you know, you still come down to the Lakers got deeper. The Clippers got a little deeper. You kind of look back and say, did the Nuggets do even enough, even though they lost pieces, did they do enough to kind of keep that competitive edge where they're going to be able to, in a seven-game series, 
you know, hold their own. And I know last year, you know, they kind of surprised a lot of people, but can Jamal Murray and Jokic do that again? Almost on their own, like you said, Michael Porter Jr. is there, but really you don't have too much help, too many glue guys, too many, you know, guys around there that have this playoff experience. And, and that's yeah, I think really what it's going to come down to. They're rocking with the, the Tory Craig types coming off the bench when the Lakers are rocking with Dennis Schroeder and uh, Montrezl Harrell coming off the bench. So, like I said, we'll see. Uh, is Jokic too unique uh, for any team in the West to stop? Uh, and, like, just to kind of loop back to where we kind of started this basketball conversation, I think the Nuggets are one of those teams that are going to be affected if they aren't allowed to have fans in the stadium or it's a team that plays incredible at home everyone buys into you know the Denver mile high conditioning type deal and then it's just a fan base that goes nuts at these games uh they're definitely going to be a good one to watch here to start off the season the way the Nuggets won me over last year in the bubble was the the semifinal comeback against the Clippers and I think we have to at least talk about the Clippers here as the third favorite team in the Western Conference, where last year, uh, right at this time, we were probably saying the same thing about the Clippers that we were about the Lakers now, and we looked at those teams evenly, but I think now it's pretty consensus across the board that the Clippers are, you know, a step below the Lakers. Uh, moving on from Doc Rivers and Ty Lu moving into the big role as the head coach now, do you feel... Do you like the move? Do you feel that lose the right coach for that team? I guess, what are your overall thoughts on the Clippers? They're going to be an interesting piece to watch in the aspect of, you know, Paul George has had a lot of issues with coaches in the past. And I think he's going to be the big piece to watch with, with uh, Ty Lue is, is can he, can he really make, Paul George be the best player he can be. And I think that's going to be the challenge for Ty Lue is, is can he get Paul George on board? Can he get him to being his full potential on that team that I don't think coaches in the past have done the best doing? Yeah, I, uh, I can pretty confidently say that I'm not on the Ty Lue bandwagon. I think it was pretty evident, especially there in those last couple of years with Cleveland, that he really rides the coattails of his – his players and that's not always a bad thing you don't want a coach that steps in there and says this is going to be my system I'm not going to you know bend it all to the players but I just think he was pretty outclassed when it came to you know dead ball situations uh managing the clock doing the right kind of stuff and I just don't see him providing that competitive edge uh especially not more than what you were getting out of Doc Rivers. I think if anything, he'll give you the exact same. Uh, so unless we're going to see that team come together more and play better as a unit, I don't really see much difference than what they had last year in the playoffs. But that brings up, you know, what I wanted to mention where you were saying about this was Kawhi and Paul George's team, where it sounds like a lot of the stories coming out of the offseason were that it was Paul George and Kawhi versus team behind the scenes so you think they fix it is that fixable are those players that can even you know redeem themselves in the locker room neither of them are you know big rah-rah guys you know what do you think uh, I think they got a really important piece who I love in uh, Luke Kennard um, okay 
But also, you know, you get Surge and you get a veteran guy, Nick Batoon. I, I really think that it's going to be up to the these bench players, these role players to kind of just fight it out and, and learn that Kawhi and Paul George are these, these centerpieces of players where, you know, you just kind of have to learn that, you know, Kawhi and Paul George are these guys that, that not only need the ball that are going to win you these games. And, and um, the pieces that they added, I really think it's going to be a nice little fresh start. I know, I know it's not great to lose the sixth man of the year, but you get certain yeah. Baca who yeah. is great. And, and you get a Luke Kennard who, who can really provide a nice, you know, outside game for, for these guys, for Kawhi specifically, who really likes to get in the paint and, and do a lot of his work. So new faces there are really helpful and you get rid of a lot of, um, pieces that I don't really think were great or useful for them. You get rid of a Landry Schmidt, you get rid of a Rodney Magruder, you get rid of uh, Montrez, who was good, but Jermichael Green, guys that kind of took a lot of the, the ball away from Kawhi and PG that now they get the ball a little more, they can work on their own, and they can really be the team that they were supposed to be with these two guys at their centerpiece. I really like the surge aspect that you brought up because if you look at the last two postseasons, I think it was pretty evident that uh, Trez really struggled uh, in that Nugget series and was a guy like, I know they wanted to stick with him, but you really needed to down his minutes. And two seasons ago when Serge was on the that Raptors team with Kawhi, he came out and played unbelievably in the playoffs and really was an X factor. So if he still has that in him, I know it's two years removed from that. Uh, that could be a piece that you see uh, really changing that culture and moving them forward in the playoffs. Because you got other good teams in this West Conference. Uh, you know, I really like the Trailblazers. I really like some of these other teams in the West that uh, can really knock off the Clippers, I think. So are the Blazers your, your underdog sleeper team there in the West? But I don't really necessarily want to call them a sleeper. They get talked about quite a bit. Not because they don't make the playoffs. They get talked about because they can't get over that hump. But I do think that, you know, they did some important offseason moves. Um, it, it's just time for, for Damian Lillard to get his. And, and it's game time. I, I would love it to be. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think that he's a guy that's too good not to go a little further. Yeah, everyone fell in love with small ball a couple of years ago. And then last year, the Lakers took everyone by storm with their bigs. I think the Trailblazers are a team that has some really solid bigs, you know, getting a full year of Nurkic now and then bringing in Cantor to up that offense. Uh, I like both those bigs a lot. And I think a whole season of both of them together. Uh, I think the Trailblazers are going to put up a lot of points. Uh, if I could add, give anyone some advice, I would bet the over on almost every Blazers game. Yeah. Plus, you bring yeah, a guy like, you could bring in a guy like Robert Covington too. That, that true, provides yeah. provides a lot for that team, not only on the offensive side but the defensive side. So. He can add that wing defense piece that I think they haven't really had, and mm -hmm. they could get uh, Rodney Hood back. Who knows how he's going to look after the injury? Um, so they could have two really good wings there to add that they didn't have last year in the playoffs. And Melo got his um, braids back, so yeah, yeah, braided Melo. If we can get braided and hoodie Melo at one time on the court, there's no stopping them. I think. Um, I think my, you know, can we really call him a sleeper is the, is the Mavericks, you know. Uh, I just praised the year of, you know, progression of Jokic Murray and Michael Porter Jr., but we're getting another year of progression with Luka Doncic, who was in the MVP discussion last year and a whole season hopefully injury-free for, you know, the zinger. Uh, I 
just really think the Mavericks are going to come out there and compete for that that four seed, maybe push the Clippers and the Nuggets for the three seed, and then hopefully can make some noise there in the playoffs. I agree. I, I think they're one of the most exciting teams to watch in, in terms of what they bring on. But you saw it last, last year with, with guys like uh, you know Seth Curry. You know, the energy these guys bring on that Mavericks team is unreal. You know, even Luca, he's so fun to watch. And, and even Porzingis being as big as he is, being able to stretch the floor if he stays healthy, they can run out, run a team out of the gym in a minute. No, I agree. So I think in the Eastern Conference, you have to start with the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, had the best regular season record last year in all the NBA, even over the Clippers. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo taking home his second MVP trophy in a row, but once again, not getting it done in the playoffs. So did the Bucks do enough in free agency to put them on a same or close level as the Lakers? Yes. Um, for the fact that you get a guy like Drew Holiday, who is just a tremendous guard that can defend, um, his effort is there. It, you really you get to get rid of a guy like Eric Blake so that man he was just disappointing he just yeah. thought he was going to be great and he just always struggled he always that's a guy struggled that there. never showed up in big moments ever right, right. And, and, and I mean I know you get rid of some key players like you know you lose Wesley Matthews you lose George Hill but they're really really going to be tough to beat out of that East East Conference I think um yeah even bringing in a guy like Bobby Portis who is a just a physical guy down low that really can help them become that, you know, top tier team that everybody's chasing. Everybody wants to go after. I knew they were a couple of years ago. They got a ton of wins, but they were never really panned out in the postseason. I, I, this team is just hungry this year. I, I can really feel that they're going to you know, go, go after it and really be you know, a mean team. That's going to really scare a lot of people in the East. Yeah. So I think one of the things with the Bucks is that like they always praise their depth. They kept their guys on like good minutes restrictions. They had a rotation that worked. And what I'd like to see from them is once it's, you know, once it's crunch time is who are your seven guys, who are you rolling out there with? And I think adding Bobby Portis to slide into those Marvin Williams, Robin Lopez minutes, take those and just consolidate them under Portis. I think that's probably the smarter move for them. And I'm going to disagree. I, w I really wish they would have been able to pull off the Bogdanovich. I think he's uh, the key. Sign and trade. Because when you look at that, that two spot that they have, they have Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo, two yeah. guys that, you know, have been there, kind of know the system, can play with those guys. But, man, you get a guy that is, is, is head and toes above all, the, all these guys in Bogdanovich. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been nice, but I don't. I don't think that that stops this Bucks team from being anything short of great and being that one seed in the East. So they're the favorite still. I I agree. I yes. I don't think I don't think teams did enough, enough to really push them to that one. And I really think the this Bucks team is, is out for for blood after their performance this past uh, postseason. The Miami Heat. They're wearing the Eastern crown right now. Uh, I, I think I'm speaking for most people when I say that it kind of shocks some people that they made it out of the East. Um, do you think they have a reasonable shot of retaining the Eastern crown and making it back to the finals next year? Or was that an absolute 
fluke of a situation? Um, I think – I don't think it was a fluke. I just think that this team was so well coached, so well prepared, and, and, and played so hard and, and just scraps. You, you saw guys diving on the floor. You saw Jimmy Butler just not only coaching on the bench but getting into it any, any chance he could get. And I really think that that's why, what kind of pushed them over in that playoffs. Um, but I don't think that they're really as good as they were last year. I don't think it okay. – I'm not saying it was a fluke. I just really think that – I don't know if it was the toll that it took on some teams. I don't know if it was just kind of the mental aspect of it. But I really think that this Miami Heat team, in my opinion, wasn't a finals team. And I don't think they are even coming this year. Um, but that's not to say they can't prove me wrong. I just think there's a lot of other teams in the East that um, – have made some moves um, are kind of after that, you know, championship a little bit harder than these guys in the heat that got a taste of it are still young. Um, might be riding a little bit high, you know, coming into the season and, and might have to get knocked off their horse. So with that youth, uh, I'm going to exclude Bam from this conversation because I think he is a proven himself and B is a little above water of these other guys. But right. so for that youth that really like stood out in the playoffs. So you got uh, not as much none, but we got none, Hero, and Duncan Robinson, who are those young guards. Uh, if they take another leap and look better than they did even in the bubble, uh, I think it's not totally out of left field to say that they can be right back where they were. Um, with that combination of shooting and then having Bam and Jimmy as, you know, your strong defensive forwards, I if we get more of that, is it consistent? I don't know. I don't believe in it. Um, I don't think Hero and Robinson are going to be those guys consistently. But, you know, maybe that's just one man's opinion. Right. And I, I just think that, you know, the East got a lot harder this year. And, and, you know, for them to be in the position they were, they're going to have to get, you know, like you said, take that step, not a half a step, a full step really to get them over that. And I don't see that being the case. But, it, like I said, it, like like you said, it's not out of left field to for Tyler Hero and, and Duncan Robinson to really take that step, and even none to come in, a, you know, as a point guard. You know, you you add an Avery, Avery Bradley, who is a really good defensive piece, is a really good floor general. Um, coming off a year where he didn't play in the bubble, um, yeah. could kind of affect him a little bit. Um, a new situation for him, not really having the fans around. But overall, I really think that this team isn't as great as they were, but I, I still think they can make some noise, you know, on every, any given night. You know, you guys, you got shooters like Tyler here and Duncan Robinson can light up a scoreboard. And do you think Spolstra is the best coach in basketball? Um, I'm a Celtics fan, but yes. <laughs> but yes, I, I do. I, I think his – you see the teams that he has, even when LeBron left, like he kept this team competitive every year, no matter who he's had, his ability to – really develop and push players to be all that they can be. And you're, you're seeing that in BAM and how dominant he was last year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Spolstra and Stevens are the two clear best coaches in the Eastern Conference. I like that. I like the credit you're giving Stevens. No, I'll give it to him. I, I think those two are clearly head and shoulders above everyone else in the conference. But, you know, not, I'm not saying he's worse or he's going to be worse, but going to one of the newer coaches in the conference, we have Steve Nash heading up the Brooklyn Nets now. So I think we'd be remiss if we're doing our preview, you know, going through who the favorites are in each conference. 
and we didn't say the Nets. A lot of unknown, you know, big changes in terms of what they were last year versus what they're going to be this year. Do you see the Nets as a down-and-out contender in the East? If they stay healthy. You know, that's the biggest yeah. thing with, with Kyrie and with, with KD. I don't think Kevin Durant is going to be obviously not going to be a hundred percent to start this year. You know, he talks about it. He says he is, but learning to mesh with Kyrie on the court, um, being in the East, something different for him. I don't think it's anything that he can't conquer, but you know, from everybody in what you, what you've seen from Kyrie is he's not the easiest guy to play with. I don't want to be the guy to count out Kevin Durant. Uh, I think he'll come back and probably look, you know, 80 to 90% of what we were seeing there in Golden State, you know, that's, I think it, does it help the fact that the season is starting a little bit later? So his injury would have been what, like June 2019, and he's had almost a year and a half to recover instead of the normal, you know, recovery time you see a player come back in a year and then takes them some time to get into it. So he's had that year and a half to get back into it. He might come out and look the exact same, you know, um, so I think he's going to look good. Uh, the other guy you mentioned, Kyrie Irving, I am just – he's hurt every couple months. He's unhappy every couple months. Uh, I think he's the bigger question mark than Durant, as crazy as that sounds. I just don't think Kevin Durant has to be 100% healthy to get them there. I think his 80, 85% healthy is enough um, with his talent level to really push this team – into a conference finals. Now, whether they get to, you know, the finals and win that finals is, is definitely going to be on how well they mesh. If Kevin Durant actually gets to hundred percent healthy or if he has any setbacks and, and, and Kyrie, but you know, the pieces around them are also going to be a big factor because if Kevin Durant starts out this year, not being completely healthy, Kyrie misses time. My man Spencer Dinwiddie. Him and you also Karis get uh, Levert. Karis LeVert, um, yeah. who are guys that are, are proven scorers, can, can lead this team, and did not bad, but, you know, is Joe Harris going to be his his hot self? You know, I know he just signed a big contract. Is he going to live up to that? And so it's really going to be the guys around them, I think, that's going to tell the, tell the tape. They can lead them so far. It's just going to be, you know, getting that you know extra from other guys. If there's one thing I want to see out of like the role players and especially from the new Nash regime is I just want to see him play Jared Allen instead of DeAndre Jordan. Like, I, I get it. I get it. DJ is friends with, you know, Durant and Kyrie, but I just, in my head, when I picture that team and I see them moving the pace, running up and down the floor and Jared Allen just blocking shots and catching lobs. Like I just, I just want to see it so bad. Yeah. Um, Will it happen? Who knows? And we're having this conversation and we have no idea if this is actually going to be the supporting cast that's going to be around Dragon right. Kyrie because they're absolutely locked in every trade conversation. You know, he's still got the hard and stuff boiling over. You don't know if they're actually going to hold on to these players or not. Um, I hope they do. I like those guys. Like I said, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, those are my guys. Um, so we will see. Yeah, I definitely think the Nets are uh, – I don't really think they're going to surprise anybody if they're good, but I really think that – they need they need this year more than more than anything to kind of push them. New coach who I think really can help Durant and Kyrie, but also I uh, this Brooklyn team needs this after their their long kind of spout of of being you know not very good. 
as we've been talking about this in my head, I just envisioned a, a Giannis versus Durant Eastern Conference Finals, and I got uh, pretty excited. Man, you get some some good matchups out here in the East that you're going to be looking forward to. Even with the Nets and, and the 76ers, you know, you're going to get a really, really good game with a lot of teams in this Eastern Conference, whereas in the Western Conference, you know, the Lakers, you know, they're going to be favored to win almost every night. So if, if those are, you know, it's kind of tough to call them the favorites, but if we're going to say those are our three favorites going into the season, uh, do you have any, you know, sleepers, people that we're not talking about in the Eastern Conference? Um, I really think the 76ers are a team to watch. Um, I, know, I like hearing that. I know you like hearing that. You're a 76ers fan. I'm a Celtic fan. I don't think the Celtics are going to be their same self. But like I said, you got, you know, we talked about three teams and then you have two extra teams in Boston and you have a team in the 76ers who can make any type of noise they want. That again is going to rely on health. I think for both of those teams, you get Embiid who has shown that he is a proven dominant guy. He is their guy. And then you get a Simmons. Can he be all that they want him to be with doc rivers there? And you come to the Celtics can Kemba stay healthy. Can Tatum and Brown, take another step, which they will need in order to propel them into a, a conference championship. But even then you, you look at, you know, the Hawks really are, are a team that adds a lot of pieces that are young, are learning. Trey Young is so exciting. Um, not saying they're great, but I can definitely see them getting, you know, sneaking in the playoffs, getting in their playoffs uh, uh, this coming year. And, and, you know, as much as I hate to say it, and, and, our, and our buddy Sean's going to love it, is, is, is Charlotte. Never know. No, no, never no, know no. with this team. I, uh, I, I am telling you right now, once, uh, once over-unders get released, I am betting confidently the Charlotte Hornets under. Why, why are you so just, confident with that? Because I think – so they're turning over the keys to uh, a young point guard. They're going to – he's their new draft pick. They're going to let him rise through all the rookie point guard woes and everything and I don't think Hayward is the guy that he was in Utah anymore and they're going to put Devontae Graham on the bench after he just had a crazy good season and should still have the ball in his hand I just there's just nothing on that team that, that screams it's Michael we're Jordan. making a playoff it's run. Michael Jordan's team yeah I don't I get it we're coming out of the last dance and everyone's you know on Michael Jordan but he is just not a good owner I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch, though. I don't think that they're going to be by far a team that, you know, is going to compete in a seven-game series with anybody. But it's going to be interesting to see really how LaMelo Ball is going to play this year. I, I know he was just an uh, absolute chuck, but it really seemed when he went, you know, over to, what, Lithuania, he really got his, his stuff together. He, he seemed like he was a little bit more under control. It wasn't those ridiculous highlights you were seeing from him and in high school and, and stuff like that. Going up from half. Right. It, I really think he came into his own. You know, you. I think he's a, actually a de very, very good passer. And that's what a lot of people have said is that – That's what everyone in the passing draft ability is Passing ability is just unreal. Like he I, sees everything so well. I really think that's going to help out their team. Like, you know, even if Devontae Graham, you know, doesn't have to handle the ball as much. This team has a lot of pieces. It's just how well they kind of fit. Like you said, Lamelo is going to be taking most of the reins how much work are these other guys really going to get? If P.J. Washington gets better and becomes, the, you know, more of like a John Collins type of power forward, I could maybe see it. But uh, I liked P.J. a lot coming out of the draft two years ago. Um, so we'll see. 
I know we've already named just about every team in the Eastern Conference, but can I tell you my two uh, my two sleepers? Shoot. The Washington Wizards, I think, are going to be good. I think they're right in the, that same conversation with the Sixers, the Celtics, the Pacers, the Raptors. They're right in that thick of thing. And then uh, the Chicago Bulls. I will be mm, betting uh-uh. the Chicago Bulls over. Their team in either the East or the West that you feel just really let you down in the offseason, the team you thought was going to make a leap, a team that you know was a competitor that really just kind of uh, laid an egg in terms of the offseason. Um, not really laid an egg. I really think the Celtics didn't do a ton. Getting Jeff Teague really does help them. And even getting Tristan Thompson really helps them at the big spot. I didn't I, think I it love, was terrible. I love though. them getting Thompson. I didn't think it was like uh, uh, something that they absolutely need. I really think Daniel Tice did a really good job. You lose um, Ennis Cantor, which hurts. I didn't think you needed to get a guy like Tristan Thompson, but getting him really, really does help them down there. The team that really I think – we always talked about, we don't talk about them now because of the Lakers is, is the Warriors. You know, I know yeah. they, I know they lose clay. You add a guy like Kelly Oubre getting him in there from a trade. Steph not only gets to handle the ball a little more, um, but you get a James Wiseman who everybody's so high on. And then you bring in, you know, even a Kent Bazemore. I know he's not great, but he's a role player and he's a role player that can really, I think fit well with, with, with Steph there really think that they're going to be a team that um, is up there. And, and I know we talked about earlier, you kind of have those three teams and you have a little bit uh, of fighting down on the bottom. I really do. I, I really like this Warriors team. It's really hard to count them out any time they play because they have Steph. They were coming up in uh, the later category of who won the draft. Uh, I love the Wiseman pick, and I just think it's perfect for what the Warriors uh, needed Coming from my angle at it, where they got a guy who has real high upside, you know, not a low floor, higher floor kind of guy. And if he goes into the right system, isn't getting the expectations of being the guy. And then I just think back to those like 15, 16 Warriors teams. And now you're giving all those uh, Maurice Spate and Kavon Looney minutes to James Wiseman, who is an absolute athletic freak. 7-1, like 7-3 wingspan. I just see him grabbing rebounds, playing defense, and catching lobs, and playing unbelievably high energy for right. that team. It's a great year for him to grow, too, with Steph kind of being that, that main guy there and not, not having Clay, he, He's going to get the ball a little bit more. and I, I think he, he's, he's going to have to learn to thrive and, and grow, and I think it's going to be huge for them coming back uh, next year, especially if they keep guys like Kelly Oubre on their team. I, I a couple years are going to be the team again that – Everybody's going to be looking at knocking off. I, you know, I'm not yeah, saying Steph and Clay. I'm not saying they have a ton of years left, but I mean, man, when they shoot that well, it's really hard not to not to root for them and, and not to favorite them. I think my two big uh, my two big disappointments from the off season were the Sacramento Kings and the Toronto Raptors. Where mm. the Kings, I just mm. I don't understand what they're going for. You know, they are riding on their young guys getting better and taking that next leap. They're riding. They gave uh, De'Aaron Fox the extension. They're hoping Bagley, you know, plays a full season healthy. They're rolling with Giles again. Um, I just don't know what they're going for. I think Walton has proved to be a subpar coach. Uh, I just, I see them missing the playoffs again, which is sad after two seasons ago where we thought they were the next team up. And then with the Raptors, just, I, get it they retained Fred Van Fleet uh losing Gasol losing Ibaka 
Uh, are they just hoping that Siakam and uh, Van Fleet takes that another step that puts them at an even higher level? I don't see it. I feel like those guys are kind of at what they're going to be. Uh, another year older for Kyle Lowry. Uh, I love him, but you just can't expect him to be playing at an elite level much longer. Uh, I just think that's a team that got worse and is probably, uh, in my opinion, the bottom of that middle pack of Eastern Conference teams, you know, looking at the six or seven seed probably when it comes time for playoffs. And I think, uh, I think a good point to wrap up this NBA talk here, man, how can't you, you praise this Thunder front office and coaching staff? I know you get rid of guys like Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Steven Adams, and a lot of minutes lost. Boy, do they get a ton of draft picks. They're ready to rebuild at any moment. They can do anything they want with it. They got they set themselves up with draft picks. They set themselves up with cap space and a young point guard that they can build around. I love. You know, and he's yep. he's right at the perfect sweet spot that you want a young player where he's not coming into it uh, and they're expecting him to you know take the league by storm and change everything. They know exactly what kind of player he is. They know what they're getting out of him. They're like, all right, now let's roll. I think there's a chance Al Horford goes back to uh, 2019 Celtics Al Horford. I hope. Do you, know how, do you know how mad all of Philadelphia is going to be if Al Horford plays well in Oklahoma City? Yeah, it is what it is. I think the Thunder are definitely a team that has a, uh, a long-term plan um, way ahead of any other team in this league right now. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. I think that's a good place to stop for the NBA. Uh, I think we should check back in, you know, maybe a week or two into the season, you know, see where – uh, what we're thinking, what we've seen from the players and teams so far, uh, we'll check back in and give some thoughts. So it'll, definitely, it'll be definitely good to see the, what their COVID protocols are, too. Uh, there was a, I think there was a report today, maybe 12 days missed if a, a positive test. That could potentially be a lot of games and That's impact big. a lot of teams. Big. So yeah. um, it's definitely going to be a, a thing to look at is, is how the NBA kind of even further expands this COVID protocol that all these other sports are kind of, you know, mostly the NFL are kind of failing at at this point. All right, Tony, we're back. We are in full swing of the holiday season. Uh, Thanksgiving having just passed two weeks ago. Christmas songs, Christmas movies, Christmas right around the corner. Uh, I get, I don't know how to phrase this question. Are you, a, are you a holidays guy? Do you really look forward to this time of year? Um, I love it. And simply for the fact that holiday season means school is almost over for the winter. That was my big <laughs> thing forever. I grew up in a neighborhood where there was a bunch of kids. So we'd always have, you know, Christmas fun, but I've always been a snow guy and I've always been, you know, the colder weather, the fall. I really like that. It's around the holiday season. It really gets you in the feels. And I really do. I, I like this, this end of this October, November, December, even Halloween, you know, people kind of neglect Halloween. I like Halloween. Thank um, you. Thank I, you. I, I wanted to bring that up. I, uh, I like the holidays. I think I get holidayed out because I'm, all in on Halloween. All of October, I'm in. 
and I love Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. uh, that's actually where I want to start this, is I think Thanksgiving is just criminally, criminally underrated. And what I want, if you want, if you, you know, everyone that says if you're going to come with uh, a problem, come with a solution, here's my solution, is I want Thanksgiving extended to the four-day weekend, the mandatory four-day weekend, where there's Black Friday, you know, no one works if they don't have to, non-essential workers aren't going in. Um, I want no pressure on the Thursday. You know, not everyone can make it home in time. Everyone feels the pressure on that Thursday to have the turkey and everything. Give me Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Space out all those great sporting events. You know, give it to me all of that way. And all of that is considered Thanksgiving. Instead of this nonsense where it's Thursday, Thanksgiving, Friday, Black Shopping, or Friday, Black Friday, and then everything switches over to Christmas. Right. I'm a a big proponent. I think we're jumping the gun. I love Thanksgiving. I love the food. I love just, you know, like you said, the sports around it. Um, And not only that, but I really love that fall outside feel. I don't know. I I have to probably agree with you that that four-day weekend extend in. But I really don't think it it deserves – ton of more respect i definitely do think that there are people that neglect it i'm not going to say that i i want i want music i want more decorations i want hay bales scarecrows gourds but i don't know it's it's just really hard because it's it's almost sandwiched between a a halloween where people do a lot of decorating for and they i mean there's a whole night of trick-or-treating and different towns schedule different days and then you have thanksgiving where it's one day like you said really. And then once you get past it, once Thanksgiving's over, everybody just looks to Christmas and then you have Christmas for a month. And then some people even drag Christmas out past Christmas into the new year, you know, stuff like that. You I know, hate it so much. I, <laughs> I hate, I hate to be the Ebenezer Scrooge here, but I can't stand that. After the 25th, I need no more Christmas songs, no more Christmas movies, but I'm, I'm worn out. I'm worn out. Yeah. I, Christmas, Christmas season is, is, is very long. Um, I, it's still fun to me though. I, my, some of my best memories in my childhood have been around Christmas. That's not to say, like you said, that Thanksgiving doesn't deserve a little bit more respect. I'll tell you a quick story about Christmas decorations. I think I was like 10 or 11 and we put up Christmas decorations all over the house and exactly what you're saying. It's like, Oh, when's the appropriate time to take these down? It just kept getting pushed off and pushed off and no one ever took them down. And the next thing you know, it was June, and then we still had all our Christmas lights up. And my dad was like, "All right, I think, I think it's time we finally take these." Yeah, down. but so. like, but when you decorate, like sometimes when you decorate the house, you got to move some furniture. You know, if you decorate like a railing or something like that, and then when you take it down, it just looks so empty. Yeah, There's something about empty. Christmas season that is just filling. You know, I bought a little uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree this year because nice. my apartment's too little for a, a real tree, so I got it. You know little guy right there in my window still so i'm still in the christmas spirit but not not full swing like some others you seem like that kind of guy so you know thanksgiving is known for the meal like that is basically what makes thanksgiving you got the turkey you got the stuffing you got the green bean casserole the pumpkin pie like that is an absolute staple on thanksgiving and it's pretty much not thanksgiving without it now for Christmas, do you feel the same way? What is your fastball? Yo, give me, give me the one. Give me ninety-five down the plate in terms of the Christmas meal. Um, you always have ham, but my favorite is my 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 aunt makes this pineapple stuffing that is so good, and forever I wouldn't eat it. I, I was the pickiest kid. I'd eat buttered noodles 
for Christmas and, and maybe oh, a piece of meat. Guy. Yeah. You know, I am an Italian family, so, you know, we have to have pasta. Um, do you guys do the, the feast of the seven fishes? Uh, we do not. Okay. We don't have fish. We're not, uh, my family's not really big on fish. I don't know. I can't tell you a time where I've ever got together with my family where we've had fish and we get together for almost okay. every major holiday, even yeah. Easter and stuff like that. Cause we're Catholic. I don't think I've ever had fish for anything. Wow. That's interesting. I thought all Italian families had to do the feast of the seven fishes for, uh, for Christmas Eve. No, we just have to have the pasta, homemade sauce and pasta and that's it. I don't know. What's your, what's your, what's your Christmas meal? What's, what's the one thing so that, pretty, that you pretty love? Pretty similar to what yours had. Uh, we always were the, the big ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, we would get experimented with the ham every year. Like my dad would do it with like root beer one year. Mm. Then he would do it with like, like pineapple slices on it. Nice. Uh, bacon on top of it. You know, right. every year was like a little bit of a different kind of ham, but ham was always it. That, right. like, that was the fastball. That was getting you, you know, 95 down the plate. And then, do you know what potato filling is? It's like, kind of like stuffing, but it's like, it's like more mashed potato-y. It's so salty and delicious, but mm. always potato filling. And then uh, kind of just like a rotating cast of sides, like really nothing that was that much of a staple. Those were the only two guarantees. Right. But uh, the cookies, I think, I think oh. we're missing out. Like, yeah, we didn't mention it, but uh, the Christmas cookie is the equivalent of the Thanksgiving turkey. The Christmas cookie is so different for everybody, though. I think I actually fall in the snickerdoodle camp, where like those oh, are probably my favorite. Around that's my favorite out. That's my favorite cookie, not like special, because yeah. like you only get Christmas cookies once a year, so yeah. you gotta kind of yeah. crave them. Snickerdoodle, you can kind of have, you know, you yeah. can make them. I think. Uh, cookie with I cinnamon. think so. When you when you say the Reese's cup cookie, I, I think of the the Hershey Kiss cookie where like you oh, have the, yeah. like the dough and then there's like a thumbprint in it and yep. then you have something on top of it. Yeah, we do them with Hershey Kisses and they're the best. Those yeah. are probably right there. Those are the snickerdoodles, the ones I look forward to most during Christmas season. Yeah, I do make a tradition out of it with my with my dad uh, to make pitzels every year. He is make pitzels. <laughs> you know what a pitzel is? No. So you you basically take a flat iron. Um, it's like a waffle, right? You, you make dough the same way and you make pizzelles, but they're very thin. Um, I don't, it, it's more of an Italian, I guess, type thing to say, but I, okay. I feel like a lot of people know what a pizzell is for you not to know what Maybe. a pizzell is. I'm going to send you some. I don't, I don't think I know. I don't yeah, think I'm going to send you some. Oh, every year. It's just a, it's a crispy waffle basically, but it's really good. It's really good. I like it. So I think, you know, I think we can make the general take that Christmas cookies are great. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Uh, Do you like Christmas movies? Is this a time of year where you look forward to the Christmas movie? Like I look forward to the horror movie at Halloween time. Do you look forward to the Christmas movie at Christmas time? Absolutely. However, I do think that the Christmas movies, the new ones that come out this, like every now and then really suck, you know, to put it plain and simple. We haven't had really a good classic movie to come out and that's been something you kind of watch okay but by like like he like we talked about with uh with you with christmas and decorating you know once christmas is over you kind of get sick of them like once christmas hits i've watched home alone the grinch santa claus uh, every every movie um at least two or three times and it's just like all right i'm kind of sick of them until next year okay do you have do you have a down and out top three that you can give me yeah, and everybody hates on me for it. I I love The Grinch. It is my favorite 
movie. Are we However, cartoon or like Jim Carrey in costume Grinch? Um, I mean, you can't go away from the cartoon that was made back in I don't know what it was like sixty seven, seventy six, or whatever that was. Like, you you can't go wrong with that. But I don't know I I do I I love the Jim Carrey version of it. The newer one that came out, the the, the animated one, still still kind of good. Um, a little different Never story, little different storyline. Um, same general gist, but. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big Grinch fan, but probably still number two. I love it, but still number two. Obviously behind, uh, I love Santa Claus. Tim wow. Allen and the Santa Claus, wow. the first one, okay. original, was probably my favorite. Um, I don't know. Third place. It's kind of a toss-up. Um, people talk about Polar Express a lot. Not really a fan. Um, I had to give a third one out there. Um, Home Alones are pretty good, but yeah, yeah, you're getting, my Home Alone's in my top three. Yeah, probably probably the first Home Alone. I really don't like the one where he's stuck in New York. The bird lady always scared me when I was a kid. It freaks me out. I don't, I don't still like Still does, it. still does. It, it's, I don't like it's it. Like even, in, even in Home Alone 1, like, there's a little too much time. Have you gone back and watched it recently? There's a oh, little yeah. too much time spent with uh, the old neighbor guy. Yeah. And then two, I just, I don't want to spend any more time right. with, with uh, Crazy Bird Lady. Yeah, that's why kind of the second one kind of drives me off. I haven't seen anyone past three. I know they've made a bunch of them from there on, like different characters and stuff, but I can't get I can't get into it. I definitely saw three years ago and haven't even thought about it since. Yeah. One and two are definitely the most popular, most played, most watched. What's yours? What's yours? Top three. Okay, give I'll give I'm down and on out you. number one. Got to be a Christmas story. Uh, I never seen. Look it. forward to. Oh, dude, you kidding me? I look forward to every single year. I know that uh, I think it's eight o'clock on Christmas Eve on TNT and TBS. They're going to put on a Christmas story and they play it for 24 straight hours. And it's perfect because, you know, during Christmas Eve and then throughout Christmas Day, you're popping different places like, oh, you're going to grandma's house for New Year's Eve. And then right. you got Christmas morning here and then Christmas afternoon, another place. So you don't ever watch the whole movie from start to finish, but you catch, you know, 15 minutes here, 35 minutes here at grandma's house. And then by the end of the 24 hours, you've seen it twice. And you're just like, this is amazing. That is probably my favorite tradition of all of Christmas. I think it was home alone. We already went into it. Home alone rules. The first one, you know, I don't need to belabor the point. And then three is the controversial one. And it's Die Hard. I think it's an incredible action movie. It's the movie that made Bruce Willis a star. It is a Christmas movie. To dictate and be a Christmas movie, the plot cannot exist if it's not Christmas. And John McClane cannot be in Los Angeles if it's not Christmas. It doesn't happen without the Christmas season. There's Christmas decorations. There's trees. There's a Christmas office Christmas party. It is a Christmas movie, and it's great. I've never seen it, so... I, I highly, those, I highly are, those are two it. two of your top three movies I've never seen. They're incredible. So I got I some I got some so watching much. to do. I got some time, so uh, I'll do some watching on those. The other movie that I haven't seen, I've seen bits and pieces. I've never seen the whole thing. Is Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street? Yeah, I've never seen it. It's... Everybody talks about it, or at least you hear it be talked about. I don't know if it's like talked about in a good way or bad way, but it's kind of. I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those movies that's like. If you ever Google like best Christmas movies, every right. quote unquote expert says that, but no one's actually seen it. Uh, that's younger than the age of forty-five. Yeah, have you ever seen those old movies that are like A Year Without a Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the the claymation cartoon one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I put them on 
every year and I just find myself like second screen watching where I'm mostly just on my phone and it's in the background. Um, I think it'd be better if I saw them when I was younger, but I don't really remember watching them when See, I was younger. That's the thing. I don't remember watching them younger. I remember the movies, but I never remember like the storylines. All right. So for the holiday season, do you think, is it not truly the holiday season until you get like a, a first snow or is that like a kind of push it to the side non-factor for you? You don't really need it. I think snow is still indicative somewhat of Thanksgiving a little bit because I still kind of get my Thanksgiving feel if I get a little light dusting of snow, but uh, I'm not a huge fan. I hate the cold, but I feel like you can't have the holiday season without the cold, which is why I like it. I feel like that's part of the fun of the holiday season is, you know, like bundling up in a million layers and then being miserable on the drive over to grandma's house. But it's like uh, 90 degrees in the house. You're like, oh, this is warm and inviting. Always, always. But yeah, I feel like that's part of the charm of the holiday season. I don't know. I just feel like if I if it's cold, I, I want the snow. I don't want it to be cold and blistering wind with dead grass. And, you know, I want the trees to be covered. I, I want snow on the ground. I want to go shovel the driveway. I want to go throw snowball at something random tree or, you know, I, I really feel like Christmas season and, and all that stuff, snow is definitely a big thing for me yeah. in my time. head like when i think of the holidays i definitely picture it with you know the snow and everything and maybe that's because i've watched enough of these christmas movies that they all have it but right. it definitely definitely makes the holidays even uh a, you know one notch better if there's a little snow on the right. ground for me yeah i definitely agree that probably when i think of christmas snow definitely comes into the picture all right well we got about two weeks left hopefully we get some uh, so two weeks out from, you know, Christmas Day, what's uh, what's on the Christmas list this year? What are you hoping for uh, a gift from Santa, Tony? Um, nothing. You know, usually we talk about it with my parents, me and my brother, like what's something big you want? You know, what's, what's the one big thing that you really want? And I'm kind of getting to the point where I really don't have a big thing. You know, um, I just graduated. Uh, I'm going into the, you know, the real world with the work. I don't really have a great work attire, so it's definitely going to be re- revolved around, you know, getting, getting some of that, but I don't know. I, I've, I've tried to make it a point the past couple of years, and I've talked about it with, with a few people. I've really wanted to stop getting out of like the gift giving and really giving back to something. So what I've been doing almost for the past five years now is, um, because I get clothes on Christmas, I go out and clean out all my old clothes, um, whether it's things I don't wear, um, whether it's things that, you know, don't fit me, something like that. And I, and I get a bag together and instead of taking them to Goodwill, I go in either down to in, in downtown or in downtown areas where I live. Um, there's a lot of unfortunate kids or unfortunate families. And so I try to look to do that or I guess giving gifts instead of getting gifts. So what, what is it this big, what's the thing that you want from Santa? What's he going to be be throwing down the chimney to you? This isn't, uh, I wrote it to my letter in Santa this year. Um, I have had the same pair of moccasin slippers Mm. uh, since my sophomore year of high school. They Mm. are, there's no more wool and the sides (laughs) are like worn through, like the canvas on the side is worn through and like, they just, they stink. Like they, they straight up stink. So I said, if I could get one thing this year, I just want a new pair of moccasin slippers so bad. Almost positive. I have seen them. 
either at my house or you out walking around in Oakland. I am almost positive I have seen you with those slippers on. 1,000%. Yeah. I wore these to class. I wore them like if we were just chilling, moccasins. Every yeah. single day I wake up, slide the feet in, like without fail. I've been, I've been getting a little bit more into moccasins too. I have a pair and I really never wore them. I was with just socks, just walk around in socks. I'm really walking around the house in, 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 in moccasins now. And I, yeah, I really yeah, do that like was me, it. Always. That that was me My feet in, are always cold now. That was me in high school. That was me in college. That's me now in uh, post-grad. It's moccasins always. So that's the one thing you want. That's my one thing. That's my one gift I need from Santa. I guess uh, if I had to throw an item out there, it'd probably be a, a, a work bag. I like it. You know? A little satchel. Yeah, I I like the backpack. It's more of a, a modern type thing where you see a lot of people doing in backpacks, but I don't really feel the need for it. Like, what else do you need to put in your bag other than your lunch, right? And maybe a, a computer or a notepad, right? Like, I don't I don't really feel like people bring books home from work, right? Like, I feel weird. Like, when I'm walking around with a backpack and I only have, like, a couple things in there that I need, I'll throw, like, some random papers in there just, like, make it, you know, if anyone would pop it open, say, oh, this guy's got some yeah. papers. This guy's got important stuff in this backpack. Yeah. Plus, like, say, you know, say you go to a meeting or something like that and, and you know, you have to travel for a work meeting. You know, it's going to look really weird carrying a backpack in there, right? How official yeah. are you going to look with a nice handbag with a notepad on one side, a computer on the other, your business card's already in a holder, some pens, you're set, you're professional. I kind of like the backpack for you though, because you walk in there, you're like, yeah, listen, I mean business, but at any moment I can still drop 20 on you and a half. But I, what am I going to do? Business, Unzip so it and put back. You still got sneakers down yeah, in the bottom really, of the bag yeah. all times. Yeah, but I don't know. Backpacks kind of puzzle me nowadays, especially because I don't, I just, like I said, I don't know what people carry in those backpacks. Like I'd rather just carry my luncheon in one hand and my, you know, little handbag, sat, whatever you want, briefcase in the other hand. I, I like just it. Call it a day. So I, like I guess it. that would have to be my, my one thing. All right. So wrapping up, what are you, what are you doing for the holidays? Is your family still getting together? Are you guys, you know, doing it uh, remotely, everything with COVID? I don't know yet. Um, my dad and mom aren't probably the best scenarios to be out and about with people. Um, but I know other people in my family are being really cautious with it too. So personally, I don't feel like it'd be a big deal if, we, if our family got together because a lot of us are cautious, but you do have a lot of younger kids. Um, a couple kids in our family are in college, a couple are in high school and kind of still are exposed to all that stuff. But by Christmas time, they kind of wouldn't be. But I think for safe reasons, I think it's just going to be my family this year. Other than that, no, just kind of still trying to stay safe. Even Thanksgiving, we, we made a point to just kind of spend time with family. And it's been kind of really good to spend time with your immediate family you know you get so used to holidays seeing aunts and uncles and and your mom and dad are kind of off talking to other people you know you really get to cherish your family members your immediate family members my brother my mom my dad when we're kind of sitting around the table on christmas it's a different feel um it definitely was for thanksgiving but i i really did like it and i'm kind of looking forward to it for christmas but we'll see what happens here in in, in two weeks um but what are your plans? Are you going to go home? you staying up in, in, in Pittsburgh or, or what? Yeah, going to make my way home. Uh, I don't think we're doing the big, you know, big family type deal. I think we're going to do more. I don't know if this, it makes any sense with, uh, you know, COVID tracing or whatever, but it sounds like we're going to do it spread over a couple more days, a little smaller groups instead of, you know, big all at once, right. you know, everyone, 
trying to see who they can when they can. Yeah, uh, kind of taking my, you know, Thanksgiving four-day weekend approach where we're not all trying to pack it in on the 24th and 25th. We're going to try to right. space it out a little before Christmas and then even a little bit after um, just in terms of getting some small groups together for meals and, you know, a little bit of presents. I think honestly the biggest one I'm going to do is when I go to see my brother and his wife, you know, they got two kids, you know, my mom will be there and then my, you know, sister-in-law's side of the family sounds like they're going to be there. So that'll probably be the biggest one I do. You want to know it's what I'm getting, a, my, it's it's not a bad I'm getting idea. my two nephews? My God, can only imagine with you. They're the perfect age for it. I'm going to get uh, one of those like plastic little type basketball hoops that can like extend size as years oh, go on. yeah. But right at the perfect age for it. When you have it at oh. the smallest size, perfect. Oh, man. Those were the days. We used to – our downstairs here used to be all concrete and metal pole went right in the middle and cylinder walls. We had the rough downstairs basement that didn't have any yeah. anything Unfinished. down there. Unfinished. That's where I became a man. Yeah. Playing with my cousins on the little hoop, getting pushed into the, the gray walls. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. That was a, a time growing up where – definitely like you said got tough for you you know you got pushed around floor you scuffed your knees you scuff your arms off the you know walls definitely uh time to get tougher all right man i think i think that's a pretty good place to stop yeah, um, um so if i don't see you beforehand you know happy holidays merry christmas same to you and your family and to everybody who may be listening to this uh happy holidays may you guys be safe um have safe travels if you are traveling